Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On Thursday, the calendar rolls over to a new month, November the month when championships are won in the Big Ten. That's what my guest today said in the Detroit Free Press on Sunday. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner joins us in just a moment. First, let's take a minute for my view from Section 17. When was the last time we started November and our path and mission was this clear? 2006 and 2016 would be the two most recent years that come to mind. We've had a week off after a physical and dominating win over rival Michigan State. I usually don't like the bye weeks when you're on a roll, but I think this one came at a good time. We can get healthy for the final four-game stretch and put together a well-crafted game plan for this Saturday's opponent, Penn State. We're more than a 10-point favorite right now. Does that matter? It does in Vegas, but it won't mean squat when these two teams take the field. Penn State believes they are just a few bad plays away from being unbeaten. Now, we could debate that, but they are a very talented and young team with a quarterback I've always liked. He shows up in big games, has ice water in his veins. We have our own gunslinger quarterback this year in Shea Patterson. We brought him here to be a difference maker, especially in big games, especially in November. It's clear to see. The road to what could be a November to remember Begins Saturday at 3.45 p.m. in the Big House. I'll be in my seat in Section 17, and something tells me we're going to bring it on Saturday. I can't wait. Nick Baumgartner says Michigan has proven to him they have the mental stones, as he said, to win the rest of their games. He joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Back with us on our game day segment is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Once again, great to have you back, Nick. Good to be here, Mike. Well, Nick, did you enjoy the bye week having a chance to watch some other teams play instead of Michigan? I usually try not to watch much of any <laughs> any football on the bus, to be quite honest. I did see a few things, though, so... Uh, yeah, it's always good. It's always good. To, uh, this is a good time of year to do it, too. So a couple, couple weeks in, several weeks in. So, yep, yep, good stuff. Well, last week we, of course, uh, got the Michigan State stuff out of the way, and uh, the team had a chance to, you know, take a little break from it all eight weeks into the season. Lots of talk about Rashawn Gary's status last week, Nick. Even his mother weighed in on his recovery. It sounds like he's going to know when he's ready to play. Isn't that about it? Uh, yeah, it sounds like that uh, if his shoulder is healthy, he'll play. If it's not, he won't. I mean, it sounds... You know, pretty pretty legitimate there um, in terms of, uh, you know, cut and dry. Uh, he'd been playing hurt on it um, all all year, you know, frankly. I mean, he got hurt last year with that, too. I don't know if it's the exact same injury, but, um, you know, he'd been playing hurt all year, um, obviously re-injured it again, uh, and then they decided, you know, it's, he's not going to keep doing that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that was, what, that was the best thing that uh, – Harbaugh probably could have said there in those, in those couple of weeks is that, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, we asked straight up, it's just going to be something that costs them the rest of the year. And they don't know that. Um, you know, I think people immediately assumed as they often do um, that when someone else does something that that means this is, this is happening too. Uh, so when Nick Bosa had to, you know, call it a call it a day um, due to his injury, I think people just immediately assumed, well, we're trying is going to do the exact same thing. And, without any evidence right, mm-hmm. of, of proof or whatever. And so rumors start and everything else, but I mean, there's been no indication that's, that's what's going to happen. But at the same time, I mean, no one's being ridiculous here and saying that, you know, he's a first round projected pick. Um, I don't think he's going to risk, you know, catastrophe in that situation if, if that were the case, but um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if he gets healthy and uh, if it's all healed up, um, then maybe he plays. If not, then maybe he doesn't. And that's that's the reality of the situation. Jim said it was an AC joint injury, and uh, I think most of us know with that type of an injury, the key to uh, healing is time um, on that injury. It does uh-huh. take time. Yeah, and I, I think that when he, when they decided, you know, that this was going to be the case, I think it was probably, what, the end of mm-hmm. September. Um, so that was about a month ago. And, you know, it's been four weeks, whatever. I, I'm not sure that's long enough. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know how uh, how everything reacts. Every, everybody's health reacts differently. So, yeah, there it is. I mean, I think yeah. it was it was a situation of, you know, he's either going to play on it hurt and risk re-hurting it, maybe, or he's not going to do that at all, and he chose the latter. And I can't blame him for that. I wouldn't blame anyone for that. Um, you know, that's that's your decision. I mean, it's your health, so... Um. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's that's pretty simple. I, I I really don't know, and I don't think anyone will know it except for uh, him and his his, his shoulder. I guess. <laughs> well, in his absence, though, you have to say uh, Josh Uche and uh, Quiddy Pay have played yeah. very very well, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy part is that uh, um you know as good a player as Rashawn is, the funny thing about it was is actually during the Michigan State game, I think uh, we went into that game, or you know I went into the game anyway, thinking to myself, okay, we're gonna have to ask about. Rashawn after the game because he hasn't played and we knew he wasn't going to play in that game either and then as the game wore on I totally forgot and the crazy part I mean I forgot about Rashawn Gary because Quiddy <laughs> Pay and Josh Uche were playing so well and together you know they, they basically you know uh, 
you know, created a somewhat semi-version of him. So, I mean, it was one of those things, it was the weirdest thing ever, where it's like, you know, you forgot you forgot about it because they played so well. Um, and then after the fact, I remembered, but I was like, okay, we'll ask on Monday or whatever. But uh, it was weird because they have played very, very well uh, in his absence. Um, and, you know, that hasn't dropped off at all. So the, the, the crazy part, I guess, is that if, he, if they were to get him back, it would get, you know, things would get really wild because you've now got, you know, Uche, who's a terrific third down pass rusher, and then Pay, who can move inside and outside. Uh, and all of them can can handle pass rush. So, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's been very interesting. And again, you know, it's another hat tip to uh, Greg Madison because he just keeps on keeping on here with uh, you know getting guys ready and, and next man up. I mean, nobody does it better than them. So, um, you know, that's continued. Other good news though on the injury front: Drake Black was uh, practicing uh, the week of the Michigan State game. It sounds like he's ready for action, and having him back and healthy would be huge down the home stretch, wouldn't it, Nick? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's it raises their ceiling, you know, offensively. I think that's what I wrote the other day is that you know it, it changes that you know obviously he would help. He's a, he's a good player, but I think the the thing to remember here is that um, you know Donovan Peoples Jones has made giant improvements this year. He's, he's really turned himself into a good football player, a good Big Ten receiver, uh, a young up and coming type guy. Uh, Nico Collins is in the same boat. They've both turned themselves into starting you know Big Ten receivers who are capable of uh, getting open and making plays against anybody. And you know you've already you've still got Grant Perry who can play a little bit. You've got Zach Gentry who's I believe still your leading receiver. Um, so you add Tariq Black into the mix, and all of a sudden you're looking at you know just another option in there, and just another option of what you can do offensively. So uh, it raises their ceiling against better teams. You know I I, I think in the uh, in the bigger picture, if you're if you're trying to win the Big Ten, you're trying to get to the playoff. Um, you know it raises your ceiling offensively what you can do against you know good defenses. Because it's one more option, one more weapon, and I mean, you know, I don't know what he'll be uh, because that's the million dollar question, right? It's you know, you've you missed basically, you know, you missed mm-hmm. almost a full year last year. You've missed more than half of a year this year. I know that when he got hurt in September of last year, he was their best receiver, but I also know that that was more than 12 months ago, and a lot has changed. And I don't know if you know, is he back to what to exactly what he was? Um, in terms of, you know, has he lost any stuff or anything else? I, I don't know that. But at the same time, you know, we know he's talented. So it's like I don't, I don't want to sit here and say he'll he'll walk in the door and immediately be their best receiver because I don't know that to be true due to, number one, his health, and number two, other guys have played really well. So, But, you know, if he's healthy, uh, it stands to reason that he'll, he'll come back and be a be an asset for sure. Uh, and another option in there to at least give people think, stuff to think about. Well, for Week 9, Nick, other than the usual bumps and bruises and the Rashawn Gary injury, uh, Michigan is in very good shape on the injury front, aren't they? Yeah, this is one of those years where, you know, it happens like this, and I think that a lot of times when teams are able to put themselves in these positions of, you know, you go into November with an undefeated conference record or you go into November with a chance to win the whole thing, uh, usually uh, you're in pretty good health shape, and uh, that's that's one of those things that just kind of happens. You know, it's nothing Michigan's had years where that's gone the other way and they've had years where it's worked out. And this is one of those years where any injuries they did have that were pretty bad were early, um, except, except for Gary and Gary's the only one. And in, in the, in the random part there is that that's maybe the one spot on the field where they could have sustained it, I guess. Um, but any other injuries, you know, Tariq Black, Aubrey Solomon, Chris Evans, those were all early in the season. Those guys all took three, four weeks off at minimum, mm-hmm. five weeks off in some cases. And, they were able to give it up. So uh, I think that, you know, they got some of their bad luck, it seems like, anyway, uh, out of the way in, like, August. So 
you know, we'll see if that continues for them. But yeah, they're in, they're in pretty good shape right now. Well, this week Penn State rolls into town. I think it's a crazy spread, 11.5 points, something like that. And I watched their game on Saturday, Nick against Iowa in Happy Valley. And man, uh, I mean, give them credit. They made the play that pick on the goal line, but they were lucky to get out of there with a W, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they remind me so much of um, of what Michigan was last year. I mean, in like every way. I mean, they're, they lost a lot of guys from the, from the, from the 2017 team. That were super talented, of course. You know, Saquon Barkley was amazing. Uh, Gesicki was a really good college football player. Deshaun Hamilton was great. And then they lost a ton of guys on defense, um, you know, who all either started or, or played big minute, big snaps, whatever. So they replaced them all with young talent, right? I mean, there's a lot of these young guys, Miles Sanders, KJ Hamler on offense, a lot of these younger players who played a lot on defense, who are all talented. But when you're young on, on the whole, maybe you're not quite ready for all, all of it yet. I mean, you, they do have Trace McSorley, and I think that's the one difference. But they have a very young football team. It seems like it's very inconsistent. And um, and they're putting all of it on, on, the, on the shoulders of uh, McSorley. So, you know, I know he got dinged up a little bit in that game, came back and played. Um, you know, if he doesn't play well, they're in big, big trouble. Even, and there have been times where he has played out of his mind and they've still been in trouble. So they are not the same team. They have a lot of talent, but it is not the same group that we saw put up 40, whatever it was last year. I mean, when Penn State, when Michigan played Penn State last year, I'm not sure there was anybody in the, in the country that was playing better, uh, at least offensively, than Penn State was at the time. So, um very different team, mm-hmm. uh, still talented. But this is the one where I looked at – the funny part is is when I looked at this back in August, it was, you know, I thought Michigan would have more problems with Wisconsin and Michigan State than they would Penn State. Um, you know, I'm not sure if that's still the case. I mean, things have changed, obviously. But um, I, I, I saw that spread as, as double digits, and it did not surprise me. I think that sounds about right because, you know, the way if Michigan's confidence level is still what it was uh, coming into the bye, and they're, and they're still – you know, focus and everything else, then uh, this is a team that uh, they match up well against, especially defensively, and a team that they should be able to uh, take care of at home. It's a perfect way to leave a bye because you're you're at home, but you're still going to be challenged. So there's no, you don't have to, it's not like you're playing Rutgers, so you can't, you don't have to ease into it or just mess around. So, so it's a good challenge. They are talented enough, though. They are talented enough to make plays and, and challenge people. So all these games have been close for them, even Ohio State. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Confidence is a big thing, and we know that with a young team. And as you, as we all know, they have replaced a lot of NFL talent on both sides of the ball. Yeah. You know, when you watch that team against Ohio State, I thought they really looked good. They looked confident. They looked impressive. But since then, since that loss, which was a, a gut-wrenching loss, I mean, against Michigan State, Indiana, and then Iowa, they've looked like a very different team to me. Yeah, yeah, they look like they're, yeah, their confidence is, is, is down. That's exactly what, you, exactly what you're saying. I mean, that's, you know, the game against Michigan State that they played was, uh, I mean, inexplicable at times when you think about it. And it was, and when you watched it, you know, I mean, Michigan State's good defensively. Um, but, I mean, my goodness. I mean, that was just, uh, they looked tentative. They looked scared. I mean, the, the sideline, too. I mean, the play calling was horrible. I mean, that's, you know, I think it's it, it goes back to, you know, the offensive staff probably too, or the whole, the whole, the whole group. I mean, Joe Moorhead was their offensive coordinator who was so good there. And Joe Moorhead was, he played such a big role in helping James Franklin uh, stop what was, I mean, if you remember back to like early 2016 or late 2015, mm-hmm. James Franklin was on his way to getting fired. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. They, that thing was falling apart and they were able to stop some really, really bad momentum and flip it. And, and turn it. And they had that great year there in 16, won the Big Ten. 
and then obviously had a really good year last year. But Moorhead was critical in that with his you know, play calling and everything else, and he's gone. So when you lose him, you lose Saquon Barkley, you lose all those receivers, um, it's hard. And I think that when you don't have guys like that to lean on to get you out of problems, it can be a real challenge, and that's what seems like it's happening here. I mean, Miles Sanders is a, is a talented running back, but he is not Saquon Barkley. And, you know, a lot of this seems to have fallen on McSorley's shoulders. And if he's not able to, you know, rush for 150 yards and throw for 200, they're in trouble, which is, that's really hard to do. So, I mean, yeah. it's been uh, it's been interesting because they've kind of been up and down all year, even in their first game of the season. I know that App State was better than people thought, but it's been one of those years for them that's been, um, you know, kind of a challenge. But, you know, they're still talented enough. Uh, I suppose that's the best way of putting it when, when you look at it. Well, I've watched their last four games, Nick, and what I come away with after those four games is they are putting an awful lot on Trace McSorley for obvious reasons, and he's bunged up now, too, but it's hard to imagine leaning on him against this Michigan defense is the key to success. Oh, it can't be for them. I mean, it's, I mean, that Michigan would love nothing more, I think, if that were, you know, if it were the case of, you know, he has to be Superman or you're going to lose. Uh, I think Michigan would say, okay, great. If, if that's your game plan, then that's going to be real easy for us. <laughs> because, <laughs> if you're going to put the whole thing on on one player's shoulders, we'll just take him away. I mean, he's a talented player, but you know what makes Trace McSorley go is usually having better athletes around him uh, to create space for himself. So if they're taking everything else away and it's just him, you know, he's not he's not fast enough to you know elude three guys. And then take something 55 yards. I mean, you know, a lot of times he gets he gets space because people are worried about Sanders, or if they open things up, you know, KJ Hamler, the kid that's uh, I think went to Orchard Lake St. Mary's. He's from Michigan, uh, super fast, you know, young player who's who's played really well for them. There have been a few times this year where they've created space by just hitting big plays. They still run a lot of RPO and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's different when you're running RPO with. Uh, Miles Sanders, KJ Hamler, and a couple other guys, as opposed to Saquon Barkley, uh, Gesicki, and Dejan Hamlin. I mean, Barkley is the best, maybe the best running back in the NFL right now. <laughs> He's yeah. so good. So, I mean, it's very different when you don't have that level of talent around you. And as good as McSorley is, you know, yeah, that's that'd be a rough go, I think, to come in here and have to say, you're going to have to go win the game for us by yourself, which is what he's been doing the last, like, three I mean, that's what, that's what he did at Indiana. That's what he did at, when they played Iowa. And I was not a bad team uh, at all, but that's what they asked him to do, and he was able to pull it off barely. But I, I don't think that's a recipe for success again this week. No, and you, when you look at uh, what they're up against this week, if Michigan brings the high-octane defense, which you know we're going to, it, it's just hard to imagine any way Penn State scores a bunch of points in this game. Not like last year. This is not the same. I mean, that's, and again, you heard Don Brown two weeks ago, whatever it was, last week, talk about how he's remembered this game for uh, – 12 months or whatever he's thought about it every day uh, it was clearly it was the worst game he's had since he's been here obviously he wants to make amends for that but even he knows that you know he doesn't have to do it against Barkley and just, I mean these guys are gone I mean that's the that's the big difference it's mm-hmm. like you just and you don't have to play chess with Joe Moorhead and I think that's the that's the challenge I mean that's the it's an ease off of your shoulders because they're good but they're not as good and um and Michigan's defense is a year better um like we said earlier, there's no there's no real injuries other than Rashawn. They're pretty healthy. Uh, depth is there, and so they're, and you get them at home. So, yeah, I mean, Penn State's game plan would have to be probably to score some points early or score some points quickly, and then make Michigan play from behind. But I mean, boy, it's 
doing that in Happy Valley at night and with a hundred and whatever people wearing the white shirts and that's that's one thing. But doing it on the road uh, with without the, that type of talent against the number one defense in the country, that's a tall task. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I don't expect this to be a team where you know Penn State's not exactly one that's been they haven't been blown out, they haven't been run off the field by anybody. Uh, at all, so I mean, I'm sure they'll make it a game and they'll keep themselves in there. But their best plan of attack is to get up early and hope that Michigan has to play from behind, which is going to be very hard to do. If they do get up early, what you have to look at too is uh, that Penn State defense—they're giving up almost 450 yards right. per game. I know if you talk to Penn State people, they say their front is very, very good. They're they're very confident in that front, but they have plenty of holes on that defense, Nick. Yeah, they've given up 440 a game or something like that yeah. for the last. Uh, for for in Big Ten play, I mean, if their if their front's very good, then that's not the case. I mean, they're not giving up 400 every game. I mean, that's you know that's just not going to happen. So their front's good. They have good pass rush, and it's a similar situation of you know when their pass rush works, um, you know the rush yards go down because they let, they rack up sack yards, and the passing yards go down because the quarterback can't throw the ball. It's a similar situation to what it was. Remember they played Penn State, not exactly the same, but it's a similar situation when they when they played at Penn State a couple years ago and they had mm-hmm. that ferocious pass rush. But if you if you can survive that, you can pick them apart. And I think that's what we've seen. I mean they've yeah they've given up, given up yards to everyone they played. Illinois ran for 245 yards against this defense. So I mean I know that that was a that was a ended up being a lopsided game, but you know you're giving up 245 on the ground in Illinois, then you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that you're elite at anything. Uh, defensively, so they're giving up points. Iowa scored points in Happy Valley. Iowa's offense isn't exactly lighting it up. Uh, Indiana had really not much trouble uh, getting up and down the field at home there, scoring points. Michigan State obviously couldn't really, but they did score some. Uh, we know how bad Michigan State's offense is. So, yeah, Penn State's problem really hasn't been offensively. McSorley's been able to figure it out. The defense hasn't been able to uh, be consistent enough to. You know, to play with it. I mean, it was. It's been like that all year. They found themselves in so many shootouts. Uh, it seems like or games that like feel like a shootout, and um, that's not a recipe here. I just don't think their offense is good enough to uh, keep that in. If their defense will have to play its best game of the season, no doubt. Well, as you reminded us uh, in the free press and Sunday championships are are one in November, and for the first time in what seems like a long time, Nick, it's all right there for Michigan. Uh, they control their own destiny, don't they? Yeah, this is the first time that I can remember that I've been doing this. That mm-hmm. uh, it's been as simple as this. I mean, you win them all, and you and you go to Indianapolis, and that's and you have a chance to play for the title. So that's uh, really it's black and white. There's no math needed, no uh, scenarios or anything else. Uh, win out, and you get there. And that's and when you look at it on paper, starting with this one, it's four winnable games. It's Penn State at home. Uh, obviously, Rutgers on the roads winnable. Indiana at home is winnable. And Ohio State on the road. I mean, given what we've seen with Ohio State the last couple weeks, that's a winnable game. And given what we've seen with Michigan the last couple weeks and with Ohio State, that looks like a winnable game. So you have four right now. Your health situation's good um, for the most part. You, you're, you know, you're playing well. You have confidence. You just had your bye. I can't recall a time that they've had a better situation in front of them in terms of finishing something out and getting to the Big Ten title game and, and you know, with the West and the shape it's in. You know, winning the Big Ten title. I mean, that's I can't recall a time in the last ten years that there have been a better or clearer path to break this whatever it is fifteen year skid than they have right now. And it's it's you know that's got to be the motivation. Is you know I think part of the motivation at Michigan State was we're tired we're sick and tired of listening to people talk about this 
like it's this thing. And now it's got to be we are sick and tired of listening to people hang that over our heads that we can't win, you know, a Big Ten, whatever. And now it's four games away, five games away. So, you know, now you have a chance to silence everything. And that's uh, that's pretty big motivation at times. Absolutely. And as we said, very clear path for Michigan. But over in the West, uh, what a free-for-all. Uh, Northwestern, of all things, yeah. has a leg up in, in the in the West. Credit to Pat Fitzgerald because his team just they just find ways to get it done, don't they, Nick? They do, and they also find ways to blow it. And I think that that's what, <laughs> because as we saw with Michigan, you know, Michigan played well, of course, but I mean, in, down the stretch. But I mean, that's a seventeen nothing game, and and when I saw that happen, and they come back and win, I'm just thinking to myself, how many times have I seen this from Northwestern over the years? You know, but no credit to them. I mean, they found a way. They beat Rutgers by three, uh, so they're finding a way. And and the West is, like you said, it's just uh, Wisconsin is not Wisconsin. That's uh, Hornybrook's now hurt, uh, so he didn't play last week. So that's that they're not, you know, what they are. And Iowa is still Iowa. So I think if nothing else, um, I guess we'll see what happens in Indianapolis. But I mean, if nothing else, this sort of proves maybe once again how imbalanced these divisions are, uh, because no one knows what's going to happen. You know, in the West, Northwestern still has some tough games left to play. I think they have to play at Penn State. I'm not positive of that, but I think they do. Um, so there's some some challenges left ahead for them. Um, uh, but yeah, it looks like they're in the driver's seat there too. Same as Michigan. If you if they went out in the Big Ten, they could still lose to Notre Dame here. That doesn't matter. But if they went out in the Big Ten, you know, then they'll be going yeah. in Indianapolis. And um, you know, hey, yeah. Do you think they have a prayer against Notre Dame this week? Uh, they haven't been home. Uh, Notre Dame. I, I don't know. I, I think that if they can play the way that they've continued to play in terms of keeping things close and, and making people uncomfortable, but you know the hard part there is that that's going to be a road game for them at home. I mean, Notre Dame is yeah. <laughs> going to really fill that stadium, so I wouldn't pick it. But uh, I don't think Notre Dame's, you know, other than a couple of these games early on this season, they've had some close ones too, so... I wouldn't put it past them if, if they're in a football game with them. It's been a very interesting Big Ten season so far, Nick. A, a lot of very competitive games that we didn't expect, and I guess a lot of us are wondering, is it parity or mediocrity? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's always hard to say that, right? It's always hard to judge what that is because we, and I think a lot of times nationally, we've always given the SEC the benefit of the doubt, right, with, mm-hmm. um, with that because we've seen these exact situations. You know, we saw you know Florida and Georgia playing – Last week, and Florida was ranked like ninth in the country. And I looked at that and said, "That's nonsense." I mean, they are nowhere. They're not any good. I mean, they're, they're, they've scrapped some games together, but I wouldn't call Florida like a legit playoff contender or something. And what we do there is, you know, Alabama is so good that I think Alabama rises all boats. Right, <laughs> it's like they get the benefit of the doubt. And then conversely, the narrative becomes, well, Ohio State's stumbling a little bit, uh, even though they're they're only seven and one. They're not falling apart, but. They're not what they've been, so maybe the Big Ten's not as good either. And that's, I think, usually what the what the uh, what the narrative becomes. And that's that way because the Big Ten hasn't won a national championship in you know other than the, I guess Ohio State won the one, but I mean that's it for you know ten twelve years. They haven't had the run of success like the SEC has. So I, narrative wise, we understand that, but uh, overall, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's you know, I don't know if I would say that there's a team in the league, in this league. I don't think there's anybody in the Big Ten that's better than Alabama, but at the same time, I don't think that it's a that it's been terrible. Uh, you know, Michigan's continued to play really well. Uh, they've handled themselves the way that a team that now appears to be the favorite in the league should handle themselves. They only had one Big Ten game that was really close, uh, and everything else, 
you know, they handled Wisconsin, they handled Michigan State, they ran off Nebraska, they ran off Maryland. So, I mean, they're doing their job. I mean, they're playing at a pretty impressive pace. Um, you know, Ohio State could still turn it around, I suppose. But, you know, it's hard because the West, the, maybe the East didn't turn out the way people thought it was, and I think that's why maybe people look at that and say it's, it's a little bit more mediocre. But, you know, the Big Ten West is not any good. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line on that one. That, the Big Ten West drags the whole thing down. Uh, the whole the whole balance of the league is a whack, and I think it'll continue to look like that uh, as long as you have the division split like this because it's just not it's not going to turn. You know, everyone, oh, it's cyclical. I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be a day where we wake up and say that Iowa is better than uh, better than Michigan, Ohio State on an annual basis to be a number two team in that limit. Mean, that's just not going to happen. So um, it is what it is. But uh, I suppose we'll see in January. Well, final question for you, Nick. I had a listener uh, ask me this yesterday, and I. He didn't like my answer, and I, it's because I suppose I'm cautious, but he said, ask Nick this question. After eight games, why should we believe this Michigan team has what it takes to win out in November? Mentally, they're, they're, they have what it takes. I think mentally they're tough enough. And um, that is probably when you look back on it, or when I look back on it, it's probably the biggest question that I had is, are they mentally tough enough to navigate through you know, challenging situations? And when you are... In a seven inexplicable seven-seven tie, in a horizontal rain in Michigan, in East Lansing, and I don't care if the quarterback's got one arm or not. You're playing a team that has had these voodoo curses over you for however long it's been. The easiest thing in the world, the easiest thing in the world, would have been to panic and lose that game by like a couple scores. I mean, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, but and we've we've seen Michigan teams here that would have done that, and they didn't. They did the opposite. I mean, they turned that thing around in a hiccup. I mean, you know, Shea Patterson makes the play he makes, and then the offense gets the ball back and just takes Michigan State's life away on the ground. I mean, they just drove the ball down the field, down their throat, and won the game. So impressive mentally um, in terms of edge and toughness and discipline and everything else that they had in late in that game to make sure that that thing was taken care of the way they wanted it taken care of. And that – sets it apart for me. That's why I, you know, all the other things that we've said over the year here that, you know, Patterson's played really well. Uh, he's given them an improvement at quarterback. The receivers have improved a lot. The line has answered the bell and it's become, you know, something that is uh, more than capable, it looks like. All of that's great, but really what it all adds up to is a team that has, you know, kind of the mental stones to really hang in the late rounds against good teams and not wilt. And that's been their problem, you know, over the years. It's been They've been able to, you know, push some of these games right down to the, to the end or whatever. Push other games to the end and they can't finish. And uh, finishing has been the main thing. And I guess we'll see, right? Because November's here, and I guess we'll see if that's proven correct. But I think they have it. I think that's why I would buy it. Uh, that's why I would buy on them, and I, I would buy on them right now. I think that they have, they're the favorite, uh, and I think that that's the only thing that makes sense. They played like it. Uh, they look like it. And you know, I know, I know people get nervous, but I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see. But uh, it's all right there, and it's nothing looks impossible or even close to it them for them right now. No, you're right. November's here. Saturday, Penn State rolls in. Going to be a big one, so we shall see. Our guest here on the show today has been beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. As always, Nick, great to have you on the show, and we'll uh, we'll get you back in another couple weeks. All right, Mike. Sounds good. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Quick hits today. I think you're all used to this by now. Injury updates just don't happen with Jim Harbaugh, and that's okay. Will Rashawn Gary play? No one knows. From everything we hear, he will know when he's ready. Juwan Bushel-Beatty was injured in the state game, and the only thing we've heard regarding that was from some of his teammates this week, who said he will play this Saturday. As Nick and I mentioned, we are in good shape from an injury perspective after eight games. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, my guest will be the longtime radio voice of the Nittany Lions, Steve Jones. We'll have the weather forecast for the game and injury information that's made available, and some game day facts for you. So make sure you come back on Thursday. If you don't have our show app by now, it's free at the Google Play and iTunes stores, or you can catch us on iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program, and we thank you in advance. That will do it for this week's Game Day Edition. It's November when championships are won. Let's hope we take that next step this Saturday against a very good Penn State team. We'll see you back here on Thursday. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!